This is the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. I'm Susie Collick, the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Kate Lismer, a writer, traveler, mother, and expat. As a woman who lives in a big city and likes to travel, I'm very curious about self-defense. I've never had any training, so I have a lot of questions. And I have a lot of answers. We figured you probably have similar questions too. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to share this conversation and put it in a podcast. So welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. You already know this story, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what happened this week to me and we can sort of reflect on advice that you gave me. I am just going to tell the story for the listeners, but I was on the the train. Uh, we're doing social distancing in Berlin. And so I had my mask on and I was sitting by the window and a man came in and he wasn't wearing a mask and he sat across from me, but opposite the aisle. And I noticed that he was kind of looking at me funny and I clocked him and I, but I just looked away. And, um, before he got out of the train, the, we stopped and the doors were just opening and he came over to me and sort of pinned me against my seat and kissed me on the forehead. And then he ran out and you, yeah, (laughs) it's gross. (laughs) It was like horrifying. And, um, you know, strange. And it's so funny because we are just talking about the, the bystander effect and how, you know, people don't know what to do in that situation. And what happened was that everybody kind of looked at, I gasped. And I think people noticed more because of the sound that I made rather than like the encounter because I went, (gasps) and, um, everybody looked, but then because he was gone, maybe they felt there was nothing left to do. And so, everyone kind of um, just went back to their phones and immediately like my body went into this panic and I felt like I couldn't breathe, which didn't help because I had a mask on. Um, My heart was just racing. My hands were shaking and I wrote you immediately, you know, and I said, Mm -hmm. this guy um, just kissed me on the train. I don't know what to do. And um, I was like reading your text messages, you know, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you what you responded to me because I first said, um, you know, I'm having a panic attack. Yeah, you said you were having a panic attack. Um, the my first response was actually, oh my god, that's horrible, because it's horrible, um, and frightening. And what do you do? And the guy's gone, and there's nothing to do. So you said you were having a panic attack, and and I said you're having what you think is a panic attack is actually a biological response. That's your self-defense system kicking in, even though the threat is gone, but you're still going to have a response. So you may be shaking, your heart may be racing. You may feel like you want to cry. You might feel like you have a lot of energy that doesn't know where to go or how to get let out basically. Um, And that's a normal fight or flight response you were violated in that moment. This is a complete stranger who walked up and and sort of invaded your personal space all the way to your skin mm-hmm. and then left. So so it's confusing because it wasn't expected, of course. It's there's a shock factor there. Um 
and your body itself, you know, it wants to defend itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know that like, you know, it's, it's over and done with. So it's can feel like a little bit of a delayed response, but it's not a delayed response. It's a response period. Mm-hmm. And we often tell ourselves that this is a panic attack, but I think actually that it's not a panic attack. I think that this is just a normal, healthy self-defense response that your body is having to having is having to a violation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was actually the sensations of this um, what I called a panic attack were actually in some ways just as troubling because that brought back certain memories of these feelings. And it wasn't just, um, you know, some of the things we've talked about. I've had this experience before where my body has this reaction. And so the next thing that happened was that I started thinking about all the other times that my body's had this reaction. And I did start crying. You know, I, I almost... I don't know if this is part of a panic attack, but it's something that's happened to me in my life where, you know, when you like can't, you can't breathe because you're crying. Have you had that? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called. It's uh, that kind I, of. <gasps> yeah. And it's almost hyperventilating. Yes. Yeah. That's what it. Yeah. And that's what I started doing. And I had to, you know, you were texting me like take deep breaths. And, and to be honest, I was trying to get my head clear because I was going somewhere and I was trying to remember where I was going and what stop I had to get off at. And immediately when I got to my stop, I was completely disoriented. Like I couldn't read the map, which felt so weird because I was going somewhere that I had been to Mm -hmm. many times and my eyes were kind of blurry. My Mm -hmm. heart was still racing, even though, you know, even after I came out of the, the subway and I, um, you know, I just was like, why can't I think straight? Why can't I, like, I couldn't figure out where I was going. And, right. um, you know, luckily I was headed to the the doctor's office to get the, um, where they had antiseptic, but I was like, um, I, I, I had that feeling the rest of the day, actually, this feeling of being disoriented and right. confused. Right. right. Which is a, which is a trauma response. But I want to back up a second to what you were saying about um, how the sensations you had in your body then reminded you of an incident from previously in your life. And you had texted me about that, too, and said, you know, this triggered um, a memory of this other thing. And again, I want to kind of look at this from a different direction. I feel that we often... We, we very often confuse being, and, and I, this sounds, that sounded like I'm being demeaning, but I think it's easy to sometimes confuse a trigger to, or rather with um, a similar sensation because the incident is similar. So, so what happened to you in this particular situation was a kind of a strange violation because it was a kiss. It's not like the guy walked up to you and punched you in the face. So in a way, it's sort of like this soft violation, and yet it still feels very violating. So it's really, really confusing. Your physical response to that is the same as you had to another incident that was maybe a little bit more violent. But what your body is telling you is that these incidents are the same. 
So in nature, not necessarily in the physical contact, but and obviously not in the same cities, whatever, but but in nature, the purpose of them from the perpetrator was the same and the violation that you feel is the same. So rather than thinking, oh my God, now I'm being triggered, it's my body's telling me that this is the same as this time before. And that's why I'm having a similar reaction. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think often it, when we when we come to the conclusion that we've been triggered, then we end up blaming ourselves because, yeah. the, you know, oh, I'm triggered. I'm overreacting to this situation. Maybe it wasn't really that bad and there's something wrong with me because I didn't really heal that past trauma and now it's just going to chase me around forever or whatever. Instead of saying, you know, you will respond in the same way to the same stimuli, mm-hmm. basically, until you learn how to respond differently. And this isn't meant to be delivered in the way of like, you know, you have to learn how to respond differently. But when we have a trauma, if we wish to learn a different way, a different response, that is something we have to go and learn. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not necessarily something we always feel like we need to do. So if some guy, I don't know, pushes me, right, that might feel traumatic, but it also might feel sort of like a Mm one-off, you know, kind of like that was weird and traumatic. Um, Maybe I'm in a concert or something and somebody pushes me a little bit too hard and it upsets me and I have a trauma response, but I feel like, but it's not like I'm ever going to be at a concert again or whatever it is, you know, it's just a rare incident and I don't feel like I need to, um, need to find a different way to respond to this. So if that does happen again, I may have a very similar physical reaction, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to respond in a more defensive way because I've been training for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's being really discombobulated and confused and unable to read a map unable to remember where it is you're going, feeling very detached, disassociated, disoriented are all trauma responses. They're very, very normal. They're very well documented um, while your brain is still trying to figure out what you're doing. So you're trying to, you know, you're on the subway, you're in a public place and you're going somewhere, you're going to the doctor's office. And these are sort of like normal everyday things that you're still trying to do while your brain is like, but wait a minute, I'm still trying to make sense of this weird thing that happened. Mm -hmm. So of course there's going to be a disconnect. Of course. That doesn't mean that, you know, you should, you know, oh, well, you should have gotten off the train and like sat down and had a half an hour, blah, 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 blah. Life doesn't necessarily always allow for that kind of thing. But that's why we have that disconnect. Right. Well, and I told you, so this happened, today is Saturday and this happened on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I had to go immediately from the doctor's office to pick up my kids. And then I had them until, you know, all day Thursday. And then their dad picked them up on Friday. But it was like, because I was really on, I also felt like I was um, distracted. And then today when I woke up and they weren't here, it was like my whole body was like uh, nervous energy, shaking again, feeling like 
I really didn't know what to do with myself. And I even tried doing like a meditation and I could even, I just felt myself like rejecting this somatic experience. Like I wanted to go into my body to kind of, like you were saying, like shake it out. Like I kind of wanted to investigate, you know, where in my body could I be holding this and what's going on, but it was still almost too intense today. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, your body didn't get a chance to really process that. As you said, you know, you went to the doctor's office and then picked up your kids. So now there's like a delayed um, opportunity, basically. So it's I mean, it's it's basic physics it's stored energy Mm -hmm. that has to be let out, you know, and that's what you're doing is you're letting it out. So we like to try and find controlled ways to let that out so it doesn't hurt us or so that we don't as a response then repress it even more because the more you repress it the bigger that explosion is going to be and that explosion is going to happen so in it i mean to every every single human on earth not not because you know you've never taken self defense or whatever it's just that's what happens it happens to me too so Again, your body's response is you're you're having a very normal physical reaction to a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it's, I think, important to remember that it's a traumatic experience as well. You know, it's not, um, it's not a nice thing. We're in a pandemic. It's, it's, it's terrifying that somebody without a mask on that you don't know, a complete stranger would walk up and even, even if we weren't in a pandemic, that would be terrifying, would walk up and plant a kiss on your forehead, you know, but now that's even heightened because of the dangers of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so you and I talked just briefly today about some methods that maybe I could explore. Um, Maybe you could explore you know, offer those suggestions too for the listener who maybe has gone through something recently. Right. Well, when you texted me, the first thing I was telling you to do was to breathe. Not, I didn't mean this in the way of like, just calm down. What I was trying to um, encourage you to do was connect to yourself. Because when we have this kind of experience, as you said, you know, you got off the train, you kind of didn't know where you were, even though you did. You couldn't read the map. You couldn't remember how to get to the doctor's office. So you're not able to orient yourself to the world around you in the way that you normally do. And what I was trying to encourage you to do was to go inside and orient yourself to yourself, to know that you are centered in yourself. And again, I don't mean this in the yoga, Gaia kind of like I'm centered, but to connect with the geographical center of your body. So I was suggesting that you take three really deep breaths. Imagine bringing breath in your body all the way down your spine, all the way to your anus, and then letting it out, bringing it up the center of your body and out through your mouth, even though you had a mask on. Um, And then from there to put your hands on your center, which um, for people who have a uterus, it's, that's an easy thing to find. If you have ever had children or if you've ever had menstrual cramps, you know where your uterus is. If you don't have a uterus or if you've never had cramps, lucky you, <laughs> um, your center is basically with with your hands. If you keep your fingers closed and you turn your hand so that it's, um, what can I say, like sort of horizontal to the earth, 
and you put your thumb on your belly button where your small finger is the other edge that's where your center is so if you put your your other hand directly underneath it so that your fingers are touching that's where your center is and so i was telling you to put your cuz i know that you have you've had kids so i know you know where your uterus is i imagine <laughs> i t- <laughs> i was telling you to place your hands on your uterus and feel the warmth from your hands transfer to your body just to remind yourself that this is where your geographical center is and you are stable there. That's where you're safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Just to allow yourself that moment to kind of reorient, orient yourself to yourself and kind of reorient yourself to the world and find your own stability and your own balance so that when you do get off the train, it will be a little bit easier to move on to go do the things that you needed to do that day. Mm-hmm. So those are usually the first responses that I give to anyone in that situation because you couldn't at that moment get off the train and call the police and do all the things that may have been racing through your mind, you know, and you couldn't go after the guy and you couldn't go run around the block and get rid of all that energy. So when we need to keep going, this is kind of a quick way to get ourselves a little more focused so that we can kind of be back on track. Mm-hmm at least long enough to do what what it is we need to do. Right. And then I'm sure there's other ways maybe we could talk about it in a longer episode, but just regarding, um, you know, maybe longer term, I don't know, trauma opportunity, trauma therapy opportunities. And someone actually wrote me, it was really funny because someone wrote me on Facebook and they're like, oh, you should take Susie's. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I didn't see that. That's they're funny. like, do you know, they asked if I knew one of your trainers and they were like, you should really take her self-defense. And I was like, I really need it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the other thing that I talked to you about just briefly after um, the kind of like is a long-term thing is, yes, I mean, I, the self-defense that we teach in Pretty Deadly really is very much geared towards people who have experienced trauma, whether it was a long time ago or recently. And we address that very much. But you can also do something called trauma release exercises. You can Google it. Um, I think it's pretty easily accessible. They're exercises based around breathing and a light movement of your muscles to help just literally release stored Mm -hmm. energy. That's it. And it's a very gentle way to kind of get rid of, as you say, the somatic portion of that experience you know, while you're still working through the emotional and psychological portion of that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what, yeah, I think that is like the starting point is just kind of like shaking it out. And Mm -hmm. it's worse to go down the rabbit hole of like, why me? Like, which was what I did first, you know, you know, the analyzing. But um, yeah, I think anyone who's gone through something like this, like, there's such a um, just an immediate need to relieve the body. Right. And I think it's, it's touching on that rabbit hole really quickly because that's, because it is a rabbit hole and so much to talk about. But, um, I think if we can help ourselves think of this as kind of like, I don't know, getting hit by a bicycle, not by a car, because you'll probably be unconscious, but, um, something that really destabilizes you. You know, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. 
you know, and uh, I need to kind of calm down a little bit. And this happens to people, you know, like you do get, you kind of get like swiped by a bike messenger or something. Um, there wasn't anything necessarily bad intended, but your balance has been thrown. You feel destabilized. You're suddenly feeling very vulnerable and you realize there's no one to blame. Um, but you also need to just take a moment, recenter. And if we look at these things, this is not to excuse anybody who violates another person's personal space, especially int intentionally. But if that person's already gone, what I care about is you. How do you take the next step that you need to take, whether that's going to the police or whatever? But how do you get yourself, um, how do you bring yourself back together again so you can take that next step? Mm -hmm. And again, so we can avoid going down that rabbit hole because it is never, ever, ever your fault. You never done anything wrong, which we can talk about in another episode. But um, if we can think about it instead of like, you know, it, it was a weird accident. Mm -hmm. I was just in this one place in this one moment and I happened to be in the way of this trajectory of something that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is hard to accept, but it, it is still helpful, you know, as storytelling goes. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's very hard to accept because because by believing that we did something to call this to us, you know, whether we've projected some kind of vulnerability or we um, I don't know any of the things that we blame ourselves for. Um engaging in eye contact, wearing a certain kind of shirt or whatever it is, you know, we, we want to control the story and we want to, we want to identify patterns so that we know what we can change as though we're in control of all of these things. So part of it is acknowledging the fact that you're just not in control of every single thing on earth and you're not in control of every person on earth. You know, they make their own decisions that sometimes have absolutely nothing to do with you. And I will tell you that anyone who violates your personal space like that, um, that is their own decision that has nothing to do with you. Right. But also, we sometimes need to know that <clears throat> we sometimes need to center ourselves in that story so we can feel control. You know, I looked at this person. I shouldn't have looked at them. You know, and if I hadn't, then this never would have happened. And now I'm the center of the story and I'm the one in control. Mm -hmm. And yes, I made a stupid mistake. It'll never happen again. But I'm the one, I'm the only one to blame because I'm the only one who can control who to blame. When the truth is, is no, you're not to blame. And, and in some ways, like if it's, you know, a passing bike messenger, there's no one to blame. In this instance, that guy is to blame. Absolutely. Removing yourself kind of removes your own humanity as well in the sense of like you could have been anyone in many ways. And we need to know that we need to know on a, this is hard to get out, um, but it's actually really important. We need to know that this happened to us specifically because we need to know that our humanity is not erased by this person whose very action has erased our humanity. So sometimes we keep ourselves centered in that story 
for exactly that, to remind ourselves that, yes, I am a human and I have a right to occupy this space. And that's why this person did this. But the flip side of that, or rather the reverse angle of that, is that person doesn't see you as a human at all. They don't see you, the individual. Mm -hmm. It could have been anybody. It just happened to be you. That is a really, really, really hard thing to face and to come to and to accept. But it's very freeing once you get to that point. It also takes a lot of work. I was going to say, too, like, I never thought of it that way, but that, um, of course, the reason that self-blame is so comforting is because it does give you some power, right? Mm -hmm. that if you can say, that's exactly my thought actually, is that I um, did something to provoke it and I won't do that again. So mm -hmm. I just have to figure out what that was. And that's been what I've been thinking about. Right. Right. You didn't do anything to provoke it. That person made a decision that didn't take you into consideration at all. Yeah. It's just a... Uh, it's crazy times. I mean, I feel like it's just mm -hmm. hard to, um, you know, sometimes just accepting that fact that like, oh, this is just the world and it's chaotic and things happen. You know, that mm -hmm. sometimes is the hard part to accept. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collins based in Berlin, Germany. You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com.